Happy Easter. You all clean up nice. Welcome this morning to our service at the Northwest Church of Christ. We are excited to have you here, whether you are here all the time, or you are visiting with us, or you're back after a while. It's good to see you for all of those reasons. Um, our worship this morning is going to be a little bit different than our usual routine. Um, I think you all will enjoy it. We're going to have um, sections you'll see on the program, um, kind of smaller sections of a short thought, scripture readings in both English and Spanish, and then sections of singing as well. So again, we are excited to have you here with us as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, I don't know how many were able to come yesterday on Saturday. We had an event out here for the Windsor District, and I was hiding in my house from the cold, but I'm told from the people who came that it was quite the, the good group that came. It was a neat representation from our neighborhood and our area and a cool chance for us to host them and offer up our space as the Northwest Church of Christ and reinforce that this is a neighborhood that we want to be a part of. Um, all right, looks like we're settling down. If there's anybody who still did not yet get either a program or an activity sheet for the kids, you can raise your hand and make yourself known and we'll make sure that you get that. And at this time, Chris Nussbaum is gonna lead us in our opening prayer. Good morning. If you would please, after our prayer, um, just observe a brief moment of silence uh, for us to focus on what we're about to do today. Um, this is a very um, special day, a uh, very special meaning behind why we celebrate Easter. So um, we're going to take that time after the prayer to just be silent and, and focus on really why we're here today. Thank you. Our Father and our God, we, we approach you this Easter morning, Father, to celebrate, to celebrate the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we're mindful of the world we're mindful of all of the brokenness within it. We're mindful of people hurting with all of the events of the world. The choices of man that have broken other men, that have led to death, disease, famine, And Father, there are a lot of broken and hurting people right now. People that have lost loved ones. People that don't know where they're going to sleep tonight. People who don't know how they can make ends meet this month. That's right. 
Father, we're mindful of all of this. We're mindful of the way things are, the way things are in this world. It's so difficult. It's so hard for people. But Father, today we celebrate life, resurrection, and ultimately hope. The hope that you place in our hearts that Jesus is alive. Jesus was risen from the dead and now provides a path through all of this brokenness to you. And Father, we just praise you for your plan. Praise you for what you've laid out for us to return to you, to be redeemed, and to have the hope to be made whole and reunited with you in glory forever. Thank you for that plan, Father. time, I would invite you to sit, stand, kneel, whatever you feel led to as we sing to our Lord. You are Lord of creation and Lord of my life, Lord of the land and the sea. You are Lord of the heavens before there was time, and Lord of all lords you will be. We bow down. And we worship you, Lord, we bow down. And we worship you, Lord, we bow down. And we worship you, Lord, Lord of all, Lord, you will be. You are King of creation and King of my life, King of the land and the sea. King of the heavens before there was time, and King of all kings you will be. We bow down, and we crown you the King. We bow down, and we crown you the King. We bow down, and we crown you the King. King of all hermanos, vamos a leer la, la palabra de Dios con el permiso de, de él. Isaías 24 del 4 al 8. El juicio de Jehová sobre la tierra. 
se destruyó, cayó la tierra enferma, cayó el mundo enfermo, enfermaron los altos pueblos de la tierra y la tierra se contaminó bajo sus moradores porque traspasaron las leyes fariseros del derecho y quebrantaron el pacto seminterno porque esta, por esta causa de maldición se consumió la tierra y sus moradores fueron asolados por causa y fueron consumidos los habitantes de la tierra y destruyeron los hombres. Se perdió el vino, se enfermó la vi, gimieron todos los que eran alegres de corazón. Cesó el regocijo de los panderos, se, se acabó el, el intruendo de los que, de la alegría, cesó la alegría del arpa. Esa es palabra de Dios. A reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 24, verses 4 through 8. The earth dries up and withers. The world languishes and withers. The heavens languish with the earth. The earth is defiled by its people. They have disobeyed the laws, violated the statutes, and broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse consumes the earth. Its people must bear their guilt. Therefore, the earth's inhabitants are burned up, and very few are left. The new wine dries up, and the vine withers. All the merrymakers groan. The joyful timbrels are stilled. The noise of the revelers has stopped. The joyful harp is silent. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In six days, he created all that is on the earth and all that is above it. And on the seventh day, he rested, and God declared that his creation and the humans that he had placed upon the earth were very good. He placed them in a garden where people were in harmony with God, in unity with one another. Uh, they had perfect peace with the entire creation. They had everything they needed. They could enjoy all the fruit of the garden except for the one tree. But when Adam and Eve gave in to temptation and they ate from that one tree, that symbolized a rejection of God and his good ways. It was instead a choice for vanity, for greed, and for pleasure. And with that choice, sin and death entered the world. Harmony, unity, and peace were broken. They could no longer live in God's presence in the garden, and nothing from that time on would be easy anymore. One of their sons murdered the other out of jealousy. Within several generations, God regretted even making humans. He said that every inclination of their hearts was evil all the time. He found one righteous family, and he gave them the task to save the world while God cleansed the evil away with a flood. It was a one-time attempt to use a flood to clean and restore all that had been broken. 
Yet after that, God continued to keep working for new ways to fix all the brokenness and to clean away all the evil. But humans kept turning to immorality and other false gods, and the world kept suffering and struggling. God would rescue people, and they would then soon after return for a time and then eventually reject God again. Every time people chose to reject God's good ways and pursue vanity, greed, and violence and pleasure, it only ended in their suffering. When we choose that, it ends in our suffering. So God came up with wonderful plans, plans that included tents and temples, sacred places, sacrifices and commandments, sacred events. But no matter how hard God tried, the people would find ways to reject him. He sent warrior judges. He sent royal kings. He sent passionate prophets. But people still kept choosing things that weren't God. At the end of the Old Testament, things weren't the way they were supposed to be. There's no king on the throne of God's people. There's no God dwelling in a rebuilt temple. The ten northern tribes of Israel have been scattered and all but destroyed. The other two tribes are struggling to exist. God's people are not a blessing to anybody. What happened to the prophecies? What happened to the promises? Is God there? Are God's people still his people? Is God in charge? Is he good? Why is everything so bad? In a world with all that suffering, it's no wonder that one of the psalmists prayed and questioned, How long, Lord, will you forget me? Forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I've overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Why the psalmist asks those tough questions on tough days. The real question is not where is God. The real question in the last pages of the Old Testament, right before Jesus shows up, is this. Can a perfect and good God dwell in the midst of such broken people? This time, will you please stand and join in worship together? Of grief, I cry out. In my moments of 
Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. As we like to say, Romanos 5, capítulo, capítulo 5, versículos 1 hasta el 8. Así pues, justificados por la fe, tenemos paz con Dios por medio de nuestro Señor Jesucristo, por quien tenemos también, por la fe, acceso a esta gracia en el cual estamos firmes. Y nos regocijamos en la esperanza de la gloria de Dios. Y no solo esto, sino que también nos regocijamos en los sufrimientos, porque sabemos que los sufrimientos producen resistencia, y la resistencia produce un carácter aprobado, y el carácter aprobado produce esperanza, y esta esperanza no nos defrauda, porque Dios ha derramado su amor en nuestro corazón por el Espíritu Santo que nos ha dado, porque a su debido tiempo, cuando aún éramos débiles, Cristo murió por los pecadores. Es difícil que alguien muera por un justo, aunque tal vez haya quien se atreva a morir por una persona buena. Pero Dios muestra su amor por nosotros en que, cuando aún éramos pecadores, Cristo murió por nosotros. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace, which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were all still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You and I are not immune to the brokenness that creation experiences. I am broken. I've had my heart broken. I have broken relationships. I have broken trust. Sometimes I struggle because I feel, I feel messed up. I feel unable to be all that people want from me. Unable to be all that I want from me. Unable to be all that God wants from me. Romans 3.23 
for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. David said in Psalm 31, 11-12, Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verses 21 through 24, So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? I assume you, like me, can relate. We feel the weight of brokenness. And sometimes it feels like everything's broken around us as the whole world gives way around us. And other times it feels like I'm the epicenter of the brokenness. And so we feel that weight. Kids, you've been coloring on a piece of paper, and I'm sure it looks beautiful. But we're going to do something that your parents usually tell you never do. I want you to take this piece of paper, I want you to rip it. Kids, if you've got a piece of paper that you've been coloring, I want you to make one big tear. We're going to do something with this. We look at this piece of paper... I cannot put it back. The fibers of the paper are, are now ripped in such a way I, I can't actually repair it where it can be put back to perfect new. And that's how I feel.
Here it says, this little heading, the supremacy of Christ. La supremacia de Cristo. Colossians 1, 15 to 20. Colosenses capítulo 1, versículos 15 hasta el 20. Él es la imagen del Dios invisible, el primogénito de toda creación, porque por medio de Él fueron creadas todas las cosas en el cielo y en la tierra, visibles e invisibles, sean tronos, poderes, principados o autoridades. Todo ha sido creado por medio de Él y para Él. Él es anterior a todas las cosas, que por medio de Él forman un todo coherente. Él es la cabeza del cuerpo, que es la iglesia. Él es el principio, el primogénito de la resurrección, para ser en todo el primero, porque a Dios le agradó habitar en Él con toda su plenitud, y por medio de Él reconciliar consigo todas las cosas, tanto las que están en la tierra como las que están en el cielo, haciendo la paz mediante la sangre que derramó en la cruz. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. When things are broken, we most often throw them away. My wife and I don't like paper and often throw it away even when it's not broken. <laughs> but we go, oh, it's fine, I'll just get another one. Or we think it's useless. Sometimes it's, it's got some sentimental value, so we place it on a shelf, never to be used again for its intended purpose, but just sitting there broken. On occasion, we'll fix things back to working order, but we consider their value diminished. If we sell the item, we have to disclose that major repairs were done and the buyer is unwilling to pay the same high price they would for a like-new, never-broken item. Too often, I've seen myself this way. I am broken, mostly by my own choices and some by the actions of others. I'm fixed up well enough to function, but I think my value is diminished. In Japan, there's this amazing art form called kintsugi, golden joinery. It is the Japanese art of repairing broken pottery with lacquered, with lacquer dusted or mixed with powdered gold, silver, or platinum. As a philosophy, it treats breakage and repair as part of the history of an object rather than something to disguise. 
Not only is there no attempts to hide the damage, but the repair is literally illuminated by the gold, silver, or platinum. Kintsugi pottery can often sell for prices higher than the original value of the piece before it was broken and repaired. This value is added, obviously, by the presence of a precious metal, yes, but also by a newfound beauty created uniquely with each break. Now this time, kids, you've got a broken picture. And Laura has some golden tape. I would love for you to come up and get some golden tape to repair your picture from Laura. Yeah, you got to bring your picture. <laughs> you saw some images of some of the Kintsugi pieces. And you can see, obviously this is a cheap imitation of what they do so well. But you can see those cracks that to us seem like the worst thing when put back together is beautiful. If you've ever broken something, glass or ceramic, then you know that at times you can't put the pieces back together perfectly. There are weird gaps, sometimes entire openings that seem to make it impossible to use. It's broken, as we would say, beyond repair. The lacquered gold of Kintsugi, however, fills these gaps and restores the wholeness of the pottery. Notice there's an entire gap, the, the thickness of the gold filling in the space. God's amazing grace puts the broken pieces of my life back together and not only allows me to function well enough, but gives me a unique beauty and a greater value because of His presence in me. Psalm 34, 17 through 18. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Romans 7, 24 through 25. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 3, 22 through 24. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10, Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. 2 Corinthians 12, 9-10 But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. 
For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, insults, and hardships, and persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I don't look out and see a bunch of perfect new pottery. I look out and see not broken pottery, kintsugi, grace-repaired vessels. You and me have a unique beauty created by our unique brokenness, filled in by the beauty of God's grace inside each one of us, all because of what Christ has done on our behalf. He was broken to fix our brokenness.
sing through all of the verses, and then we'll sing the chorus twice at the end. When we get to the chorus, that's when I'll ask you to stand.
who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God hath highly exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Filipenses 2:5 al 11. La actitud de ustedes debe ser como la de Cristo Jesús, quien siendo por naturaleza Dios, no consideró el ser igual a Dios como algo a que aferrarse. Por el contrario, se rebajó voluntariamente tomando la naturaleza de siervo y haciéndose semejante a los seres humanos. Y al manifestarse como hombre, se humilló a sí mismo y se hizo obediente hasta la muerte, y muerte de cruz. Por esto Dios lo exaltó hasta, las, hasta lo sumó y lo otorgó el nombre que es sobre todo nombre, para que ante el nombre de Jesús... De doble, se doble toda rodilla en el cielo y en la tierra y debajo de la tierra y toda lengua confiese que Jesucristo es el Señor para la gloria de Dios Padre. All right, I've got five points in three minutes. You all believe I can do that, right? Here's the five things you need to know today about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and why it matters. The creation was designed to be very good. It was designed to be filled with unity and harmony and peace. And every single one of us broke it. We broke God's good earth. 
And yet, since then, the creation has been groaning for the day when God's going to put it all back together again. When Jesus was crucified on the third day, he got out of the grave. It was the beginning of the world healing from all the destruction that we humans had done. The resurrection was the beginning of the healing the world desired. And the second thing you need to know is this, is that the relationship between people started healing. In his death and resurrection, Jesus tore down the dividing wall of hostility between those who were once close to God and those who were once far away. The Bible way of saying it is this, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. But the way we would say it today is that the world likes to divide you and I. The world likes to divide all of us. It wants to divide us by race, by the amount of money we have, by the languages we speak, by the way you dress, by the way you vote, by the way you talk, by the way you think. The world wants to divide us so that it can control us. But when Jesus died on the cross, those divisions died with him. And when Jesus got out of the grave as a new resurrected human, he created a new resurrection body of believers, a church that's no longer divided, but is a fully alive humanity, loving one another as a single, diverse, and yet beautiful, united family in Jesus Christ. God tried all kinds of ways throughout history to bring about goodness in people from the outside. He used temples and commandments. He used all kinds of signs to guide them. But Jesus told his disciples that it was good for him to go away. It was good for him to go away and be with the Father. They were sad when Jesus told them that he was leaving. Because the third thing that you need to know today is this. It was good for Jesus to leave so that the Holy Spirit could come. God isn't trying to heal us into goodness from the outside anymore. God's Holy Spirit now dwells in every one of us who is in Jesus Christ. God's Holy Spirit is now transforming us and healing us into goodness from the inside. And if God's Spirit lives in you, it's going to start to contagiously make you like God. You get contagious God character, contagious God virtue bubbling up inside of you because His Spirit will not leave you unchanged if it's inside of you. So the Bible tells us that, that if God's Spirit is in you, you start to get fruit from that. Love and joy and patience. We need more of that, don't we? Goodness, faithfulness. All of these different character traits of God start to take root in our lives because His Spirit is in us. Not trying to give us outside rules, but giving us inside character. The fourth thing you need to know is this, is not only is God doing all those things, you do have a choice. And the choice isn't what we usually think it is. You don't get to decide whether God is real or not. That's not up to you. You're not in charge of the decision of God's reality being true or false. The only thing that you get to know is that God is real. Jesus lived and died on a cross. That's a, a thing of history, not a thing of mythology. The choice isn't whether to acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. The passage that was just read before I got up here talked about how when Jesus returns, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. You don't get to choose whether or not you acknowledge Jesus as Lord or not. You will acknowledge him as Lord. The only choice you have is when you're going to do it. You can either choose to do it today with celebration or later with reluctance and sadness. 
That's your choice. That's what the resurrection gives you. And the fifth thing you need today is this. In Revelation, it's the last book of the Bible, there's this vision where John sees into the throne room of Jesus. It's this kind of future and present mystery that he gets to see. And Jesus is described as the lamb who is slain on our behalf. And he's in the throne room of the lamb. And what John sees is a great multitude that no one could even count from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people group throughout all of history and all of humanity was there in the throne room standing before the Lamb and they sang, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And John saw people from every group worshiping together. He could see their differences, those that don't get erased in the throne room. Their uniquenesses are still there in the throne room, and yet they are singing in one voice. There is unity in the midst of the diversity. One of the most beautiful things about the kingdom of God is that Jesus died to reach out to every single corner of the universe. Every single corner of our world. And when I say every corner, I mean every corner and every nation. And I mean every street corner. There is no one that God doesn't love and want to bring into his family. He brings us as we are and we are and, and as who we are to be part of his forever family. Today, as we move into the final act of our worship service this morning, and we've got a number of songs, and we'll be taking the Lord's Supper, uh, as we move into uh, this last part, the final act of our worship this morning, we're going to be thinking about the throne room that it's described in Revelation. The throne room where people will worship in multiple languages, Spanish and English for us today, but singing with one voice. We'll have communion, and during the collection after communion, where we normally have a song, we're going to have a moment of silence where you can reflect on as you give to God on all of the blessings that God has given to you. And that will conclude with a shepherd's prayer and a final song. But for the rest of worship, I want you to imagine that we are in the throne room of the Lamb with all of our uniquenesses coming together with unity to worship the God who gave his son to die for us so that we might be part of his forever family for the rest of eternity. If you would please stand. Some of
Apocalipsis 7, del 9 al 12. Después de esto miré y apareció una multitud tomada de todas las naciones, tribus, pueblos y lenguas. Era tan grande que nadie podía contarla. Estaban de pie delante del trono y del cordero, vestidos de túnicas blancas y con ramas de palma en la mano. Gritaban a gran voz, la salvación vive, viene de nuestro Dios, que está sentado en el trono y del cordero. Todos los ángeles estaban de pie alrededor del trono, de los ancianos y de los cuatro seres vivientes. Se postraron rostro en tierra delante del trono y adoraron a Dios diciendo, Amén, la alabanza, la gloria, la sabiduría, la acción de gracias, la honra, el poder y la fortaleza son de nuestro Dios por los siglos de los siglos. Amén. I'd like you to close your eyes and imagine this as I read the scripture that Ken referenced. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. standing please over all the earth you reign on high every mountain stream every sunset sky but my one request more my only aim is that you reign in me again Lord reign in me reign in your power over all my dreams in my darkest hour, you are the Lord of all.
For the Lord's Supper this morning, we'll uh, start by looking in the book of Luke, chapter 24, starting in verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. This isn't a passage that you usually hear read for the Lord's Supper because it's not the one that's called the Last Supper earlier in this book, um, but it is actually the Last Supper, uh, at least the last one that's recorded. And so it's worth looking at this morning because this is the meal where Jesus came back and showed that indeed he is risen. This is the meal that he ate with them to prove that he's not a ghost, that he's not a spirit who was a great man who went on now to be with the Father, and if we're like him, maybe we can too. Uh, he is instead flesh and blood, Savior, God, defeater of death once and for all. And on Easter Sunday, the day that we set aside every year to celebrate especially that, I wanted to focus on that this morning, that Jesus came and he ate with us, not just the Last Supper at Communion, which was great, but again, when he showed us that indeed it is as it has been written, he is risen. Let's pray first for the bread. Father in heaven, we worship you, and we celebrate you, and we stand in awe of you. Because of what you did for us through your Son, by replacing our brokenness, our cracks, our imperfections with precious gold. We thank you that you sent your Son to live among us, to show us how to live, to indeed show us how to die, but then also to be raised once again so that someday we can be too. As we take the bread this morning, we remember that just as we were broken, his body was broken. And it was broken for us. And we thank him for that. And we worship him forever because of it. In his name, amen.
Let's continue our prayer. Father, we return to you in prayer in order to thank you and to honor Jesus for his blood uh, that was poured out for our sins. Uh, We thank you that through him we have regained fellowship with you and with one another. Uh, We accept your grace. And Father, you would ask that we would ask that you continue to show us how to have grace for one another, how to have grace for the world around us, and indeed how to bring them to you so that the entire world can experience the grace that you've brought about through the, forgive, or through the uh, sacrifice of your son. We continue to pray for forgiveness for us and for all those that we love and for all those in our community as we celebrate together. And it's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. The wonder that uh, was the resurrection of Christ is certainly present here this morning in that singing and what you heard from all of us. I personally believe that in all those months that she followed Christ with an entourage of other women who supported him, Mary Magdalene had no idea she'd be the single first living human see Jesus walk from the tomb. And that must have been a a wonderful moment. And when Thomas touched Jesus, felt those wounds, 
feel the holes there? And his reply was, my Lord, my God. That must have been a wonderful moment. When you and I sit and listen to the true story that was told <laughs> about Jesus' resurrection, not just at Easter, but as you live and breathe in this world, I pray that you will be always thoughtful of the wonder on that morning in the rest of your life. We're going to pray for some people now. So please pray with me. <clears throat> Father, we make this prayer for <clears throat> members of this congregation and also that we know who are struggling. Shirley Adams tells us that Chad has his court date coming this Friday and Monday. Please remember him in your prayers. We pray for Chad. We know that Shirley thinks of him every day. Like our other mothers, Shirley prays for the souls of her children, and so do we desperately pray for the souls of our children. We pray for Dina Williamson, now home, having recently suffered many medical issues. We pray for Billy Berry, who this morning at 2 o'clock went back to the hospital and is getting blood as we sit here now. We pray for Shirley McCool, who is surrounded by loved ones and yet suffering kidney failure. Pray for Anna and Nathan, their hopes and dreams are ours, and I believe yours. We pray that the, the court date on the 23rd will be a new beginning and for your blessings on that time your blessings on the part of those people who will be there and may speak may they speak your words and not their own we know Kelvin and Darlene Cox have a neighbor Ireland Middleton I'm told this morning that she is out of ICU, but the terrible medical issue the doctors don't really understand yet, and we pray that she will continue to improve as she has over the weekend. For Helen Hudson and her arteriogram that comes up very soon, Helen, another one of our precious widows here, we pray for our intern, Krista Peace, who was suddenly in the hospital in Texas this past week, but has been released now. We pray for Teresa Greenwood and for her angiogram coming up soon, for Anita Pe Peters, for Ralph Anderson, for all those in this congregation who seek your 
help, who seek our prayers, and mostly who seek to know Jesus in their lives. And I pray that you will grant them that request for healing, to know that they are loved on this earth and in the earth to come, and in that eternal life that we all seek, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be standing for this last song. Before we sing, I want to ask, is there a God? Did Jesus rise from the dead? Then we've got everything we need. I have found a friend in Jesus, he said.